of the sky. Look. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Welcome to another exciting episode of Matt Spectro through the multiverse. I am your host, as always, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, lifetime superhero fan, and you have reached the podcast exclusively talking comic book animation. Welcome to episode 53. I'm going to briefly explain the rules. Rule number one, like I said, comic book animation every each and every week, that's what we're talking about. Rule number two, huge fan of... DC Comics presents Marvel Team-Up, Marvel 2-in-1, all the old team-up books. So this is a team-up podcast every week. Me and a special guest talking comic book animation. Third and most important, we got to have fun. Without further ado, I'm going to bring this week's guest out. He is the co-host of the We Have Issues podcast. Please welcome to the multiverse, Anthony. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I can't say enough how much I appreciate you coming on the show. No, absolutely. So, I, I just found out about your show. It seems awesome. And I've listened to a couple episodes now. It's really great. I appreciate it. This week, we're going to step out of the Marvel DC bubble that we're usually in. And this week, we are going to talk, and this was selected by you, we're going to be talking The Tick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love The Tick, man. I, I grew up with all those, uh, all the indie books. That was like my bread and butter. Like all my stuff is my favorite. I couldn't get enough of the tick growing up. So I just, as soon as you, you, you know, told me about the show, I was just like, well, have you done this? And it was the first thing that came to mind. So I'm happy to talk about it. I gotta say, I'm kind of uh, embarrassed. It wasn't until I started looking into the cartoon. I didn't realize how little I actually <laughs> knew about the tick. I've always known about its existence, but uh, I barely, and I'm from New England and the tick orig- originated from New England. So I felt e- even dumber when I started looking it all up. <laughs> You got schooled. No, it's it really is. It's incredible. It's really interesting to see how the the tick blossomed and kind of like had that like weird parallel trajectory with the turtles, you know, Ninja Turtles. You know, yeah. they were kind of on similar paths and then just kind of like veered off. And Ben Edlin did his own thing, and you know, and the turtles also coincidentally are from New England, yeah, as well. So before we get into the cartoon, we're just going to go into a little background of the tick, uh, like you had just mentioned, Ben Edlin. Created him back in 1986. And I, I didn't know this, that uh, he originally appeared in the New England Comics Newsletter, issue uh, number 14. I always thought he just started in his own comic. Well, I actually, I actually just learned that the other night, too. I was like, because I, I, you know, I've known all about the animation, the comics, but I was wondering, too, because I was like, you're going to school me on all the, the, the <laughs> stuff. Because I, I listened to your show and I was like, oh, man, they actually know what they're talking about. They do research on this crap. I better I better like, like go on Wikipedia really fast. So I actually I watched like a 20 minute documentary on YouTube about Ben Edlam. And I learned that and I was like, that's freaking fascinating. He had like a Peanuts esque, you know, just like, you know, I don't know. I don't know how often they printed it, but it was really cool. It was very uh, like traditional news press or you know newsprint looking comic strip. It was really yeah. Good. It was for the chain New England Comics that was originally in Brockton, Massachusetts. And yeah, me being from New England, I, I can't believe I did. I had no idea that even was a thing. And then in uh, 1988, he uh, moved up into his own comic book, The Tick, which I'm sure uh, 
those have got to be much like the original Turtles comics have got to be not only hard to track down, but expensive if you can actually get them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I actually looked at, you know, once we were talking about this, I looked online to see it was you know, hundreds of dollars just for any random issue because there were only what was it? Twelve. I believe yeah, there was only twelve in the original run. Yeah. Like Ben Edlin, the creator, only made twelve himself, as far as I can recall. So um, originally in black and white. Mm-hmm. And I was told originally the well, I wasn't told I looked I looked it up that the original color was intended to be brown and not blue. Wow. Okay. Just I can't imagine that. Just I can't not. imagine it now. I mean, obviously it makes sense, like a tick, like you know. But I don't know. That's that's interesting. I, I it would be a completely different tone. But yeah, I love the colors. That, you know, of the cover and the the animated series has beautiful. Um and. Very popular. In fact, that original run got reprinted nine times over the course of the last 30 years. Oh, the Ferris Bueller of printing. That's great. <laughs> now, if anyone is unfamiliar with the tick, it's more of a very uh, parody of superhero comics. And I don't know about you, but when it comes to the superhero comic parody, you kind of either, I kind of either love them or hate them. Sometimes they're very clever and good, but sometimes they're just the laziest dreck you can possibly imagine. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they were very popular in the nineties too. Like that kind of like weird, sardonic, like a cynical parody was everywhere. Like you ever see Boris the bear? Yeah. I remember it. I don't know if I ever read it, but I do remember that comic coming out. Yeah. Just like those kind of comics where they were just throwing everything in the kitchen sink, you know, just like take everything you can and just make fun of it and lampoon it to, you know, but, um, I think the tick did it really well. I think, yeah, the tick was good. Uh, I don't know if you ever read Normal Man. That was a, oh, a decent yeah. parody. Uh, that was Valentino who did that. Who later went on to do Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, cool. Um, okay. Some of Cerebus was a superhero parody. Not oh, quite. yeah, yeah, that's true. I actually saw, I know it's not on topic, but like I just saw that there's a Cerebus movie that came out that was kind of like a self-funded sort of thing. I haven't watched it. I would. I haven't. E- I heard that was a thing, but I don't even know where you would, would yeah, find it. Yeah, it's actually, it's out for free on like Tubi or something. Like the 2B website, you can watch it. So check it out. I'd imagine Dave Sims has to be I've involved. Really and- interested. I haven't taken a, a time to watch it yet, but like, I'm, I'm I was like I was I was born in like the 90s indie <laughs> comic scene, so I was just like, give me all that stuff, and I want to see, you know, I want to see what that's about. I mean, you could even argue that uh, the Boys is a is a comic parody to a certain extent. Yeah, for sure. Uh, more so the comic than the television show, I would oh, say. Yeah. And even there's some mid characters like uh, if you, I don't you might you're younger than I am, but Buck Wild Mercenary Man was pretty much a parody of of Luke Cage that showed up in the oh, Milestone okay. comics. So sometimes it's even like a parody with it. You can even argue the Squadron Supreme, I guess, is like not. I don't know if you call it a parody, but it's definitely a homage. Maybe some of people's favorite thing, like you know, like the the turtles themselves, or like you know, um, like even Deadpool is you know a parody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then it's just like a parody that works, and then it's no longer a parody when it, we, you know, we, they legitimized it. So Tick got, I, I wouldn't say it got immensely popular, but it got pretty popular in the '90s, which they decided to do the uh, cartoon back in uh, 1994. Ben Edlund was contacted by uh, Sun Brown Entertainment who had done the Transformers and G.I. Joe. And I believe they did the Mask cartoon as well. I don't know if you're too young to remember uh, Mask. Yeah, I, I know which one you're talking about. It's not the Jim Carrey mask. <laughs> it's like the army. 
right? There yeah. was like an army. Ba- I, I yeah, don't know, they had like, like spies and army stuff. Their, their vehicles were like amalgams. Like there was a guy. All the guy stuck out of my head. He had the the motorcycle that was also a helicopter. That was uh, <laughs> oh, okay. out the- nice. And uh, they contacted him about doing that. And uh, him and uh, a Richard, I'm gonna see, probably say this wrong. Lieberman, Lieberman Smith. They were put together to do an original script for the original episode, which uh, was for Fox Kids. And believe it or not, the original script got rejected. Right. I read this. Okay. <laughs> but they had a a five-day period to rework the script, which is crazy when you think about it. I mean, you had mentioned doing Kickstarter comics. Like, you imagine cranking out a script in five days. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. I mean, that's a lot of great stuff comes out that way, though. Like just that of like, you know, you have to solve problems like creatively in like a small period of time. It just it happens, man. That's how like uh, Cabin in the Woods was written, too. They were like, let's give ourselves three days to write this freaking thing. And they did it. But uh, from what I read, Ben Edlin, like they got together and didn't they kind of flesh out the whole first season in that period of time? They like they wrote the whole first script and then. Most of, or, or like from what I read, most of the ideas or a lot of like main ideas for the first season came from that meeting. Yeah, but they had come up with a bunch of the ideas and uh, and that script as well. The new script was accepted, and Fox Kids went ahead with it and ordered the pilot. They were thinking turtles, like you and I had talked about, was one of the main focuses. They thought they were kind of comparing it to it, the same trajectory. They thought it could be as successful as that, which. Uh, <laughs> obviously it was it was more so it was triply <laughs> as ex- <laughs> like, okay okay i mean like kevin eastman how many live action uh tv series do you have Did, was patrick warburton splinter i don't think so no <laughs> <laughs> of course it wasn't nearly as successful now ben Emlin had said that uh in a way he was kind of happy well he said it was a it was bittersweet where he he'd probably be a lot more wealthy now if it had been that successful but he said at the same time, they managed to keep it as close to the comic book as he kind of wanted it. Within reason, obviously, you have to take some stuff out. You're aiming a totally different audience. That is the best case scenario, though. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. And I don't know about you, because I've never... Were there any tick toys or merchandise that came Okay, so, of? like, as a kid, I remember... I mean, I have a tick bust here, but, like, aside from that, um, I only, the only tick toy I've ever had were these, like, bendable things like these you know those like really cheap rubber yes things that kind of stay in place wherever you bend them yeah they have no no points of articulation or anything yeah Yeah. it was just like they're they're only made of rubber and they bend and i only ever had like i had the flower l seed i think his name was it was like l seed and uh what like arthur i think and those are the only tick toys i ever had i don't know what they made otherwise but yeah so it started in uh 1994 and uh, ran till uh, 1996. And uh, everything I looked up, every site I went to, it got really good reviews. Like, it, I, I hardly found any negative criticism of the show. And it was it was popular enough. It just wasn't on the level of the Turtles and G.I. Joe. <laughs> they were just desperate for the merchandising. And this didn't happen. That sucks. I think maybe you could attribute to, if you remember, I mean... The 90s was an explosion of comic book animation, so it's possible it got lost in the shuffle because there was X-Men, Batman, Superman, Fantastic Four. Something I've been thinking about, like, I don't know much about this, but I'll tell you, like, from my experience growing up, like, I didn't really watch it when it was on Fox. I used to kind of, like, sneak out as a kid, and late night it was on Comedy Central. 
it was like in this like weird animation block with uh, the critic, Duckman, uh, Doctor Katz. And it was like like there was like this weird animation block and the tick was thrown in there. And I remember watching it and I was just like, this is great. But I wonder, like, to what extent that like, you know, um, that affected its popularity with with kids because it wasn't really covering the whole, you know, like spread, like widespread uh, potential of the audience, you know, because like I never saw it on any cartoon shows or channels or anything. I only saw it in that weird time frame. I don't even know how I caught it. I just got lucky. Yeah, they said they got a little bit of a second life because of Comedy Central. Yeah, I, I remember that block, man. That's, that that takes me back with Doctor Katz and uh, yeah, and all that. So I forgot all that. Um, and it was very popular with fans of the of the comic, and it just like yeah, it never got beyond what that was. So we're going back to uh, September tenth, nineteen ninety four, The Tick versus the Idea Man. Now, I didn't read much of the comic. Uh, the Idea Man, do you, you remember if that is from the comic book? or is that I don't remember the Idea Man. They might have been the first. You know, it's so funny. Like, the the tick, the physical copies that I actually have, I have, like, seven through nine. And that's all I have. Like, that's what I own of the tick. So, but, yeah, I don't remember the first few. I have, like, where it starts with uh, Chairface Chippendale. So, it could have been. I, you know, I my favorite things from the tick have always been, like, the, the Ninja Hedge. Have you have you read much of the tick? I have I read some of it back in the day. Okay. But I didn't it wasn't a comic I owned a lot of, so I didn't reread it as much. So a lot of it is kind of a, a hazy memory for me. Right. I don't remember the idea men in the book. And like rewatching the the pilot now, like the first episode, I was like, I don't know how well that would translate in the book. Cause like the idea, the joke of the idea men that no one can understand what they're saying is so <laughs> like, you know, audible. It's so like verbal. So it's like, like, I'm sure you can write it and make it work, but I'm pretty sure Ben Edlin can do anything as far as that's <laughs> concerned, but it works so well in the animation. that I just can't, it's, you know, hard to imagine a written format. So they wrote the script also with a Charles uh, McCullough. It was directed by a Sue Peters, John Kafka and Russell Mooney. I believe a lot of these guys went on to do the uh, the Ventura Brothers cartoon that was yeah the Venture Brothers sorry <laughs> sorry for uh, me butchering that but yeah I believe they went on to do that as well and for Cartoon Network oh yeah and that's and also re- like a pretty great parody you know series just and uh, ran for the three seasons uh, we're gonna go over some of the obviously they created everybody but the Tick is uh, voiced by a a Townsend Coleman. Who actually had done the voice of Michelangelo on uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And Krang, right? Yes, I believe he did Krang as well. That's awesome. So crazy. He is, uh, he's done a lot of voice acting. He's been on everything from Superman, Batman. He was actually Scott Howard on the Teen Wolf cartoon. What? Oh, that's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> I love that. I didn't know that. Uh, the one that surprised me the most, because I'd never considered who, d- who did the voices for the tick at all. Like, I grew up just like consuming it i'd never thought about it and i had no idea about who did the voice for uh, arthur in season one and like that it changed it was crazy to me and yeah arthur like you said yeah he, for the first season mickey dolan's of the monkeys fame <laughs> did the voice of arthur it's so random how random is that that was great like and like watching it i was like it's a really good performance honestly like it's not it, like, i was really surprised i because like i I didn't like the monkeys growing up, but the monkeys was one of those things that I would put on because the monkey show was on late at night. Sometimes I put it on while I'm waiting for other things to come on. So I'd be like, Oh, <laughs> tell the crypt isn't on yet, but a monk, the monkeys are on, you know, um, dude, it was, but it's so funny. I couldn't believe that. When I was looked it up, I, I really thought it was just someone 
with the same name. Like, I can't believe, like Mickey Dolan <laughs> of the Monkeys just happened to be the guy. Because I don't, I'm not even aware of him hardly doing any voice act, any other acting really other than no. the Monkeys TV show. Yeah, that blew my mind for sure. Deflator Mouse, who was uh, voiced by uh, Cam Clark. And he was actually Leonardo and uh, I believe either Rocksteady or Bebop on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as well. Man, they love to recycle those guys. I mean, they're all talented people, you know, so I get it. But at the same time, like other other people have voices, too. Let's give us some jobs. <laughs> well, he also voiced Doc Samson in a lot of them, the Marvel Cinematic Animation. And he was He-Man in the uh, 2002 version of Masters of the Universe. Um, yeah, I've noticed a lot of these uh, from the 60s to even to now. Like, if you, you get good at voice acting, you've pretty much got a job for life. Yeah. I mean, Tara Strong is one of the more known ones. And right. I swear she's done everything and been around <laughs> forever as well. American Maid is a, a Kay Lenz. Couldn't find a lot of voice work for her, but she's been a character actress on multiple shows. Everything from Magnum P.I. to she was on Lois and Clark to she was on a bunch of soap operas as well. I got to say also, the this is a little off topic, but the 90s was like the decade when I first started really paying attention to voice acting. Like I knew Mark Hamill was the Joker and Kevin Conroy was Batman. And I remember, uh, don't ask me why, but I remember the guy from the Brady Bunch movie was going to be Spider-Man's voice. Oh yeah. yeah. I think you, when you're, when I was a kid in the eighties, was that Gary Cole? Is that what you mean? Uh, Christopher Daniel Barnes, I think is his name. Uh, Okay. In the 80s, I would recognize a lot of the voices recycled, like Frank Welker and whatnot, but I, right. I never really paid attention much to the actual voices until like the 90s when I was no longer a kid. Right. I think Casey Kasem was the only guy I knew <laughs> did voices back then. Yeah, that is that was an interesting, like weird re- renaissance, but I think it's probably, I, I don't know, but it's probably because of situations like you went from Casey Kasem doing these like cartoonish, you know, very silly voices to like the Joker has such character, you know, like we have these, yeah. like the bat, the Batman had so much behind it. And it was, you know, it was iconic, you know, it was very interesting. Um, it just kept getting more interesting. I was the same way. Like I, I didn't start noticing that stuff until basically Batman as well. And I think it's, I've debated the point with people, but I really think the success of the first Batman movie is really what led to the nineties being an explosion of, of comic book animation. Oh yeah, for he- sure. I mean, well, I mean, it, to to some degree, I, Marvel has used the used the animated films as like a template for their you know franchises and like you yeah. know cinematic universe for a long time, you know, and like they they were doing that. Like if you watch those like Ultimate Avengers movies and stuff, they are pretty close to what the early Avengers movies were becoming. Like there was an animated Iron Man, very close to what Iron Man film was, you know. So it's just like these big companies were taking these little, um, you know, these little risks on these animated properties and trying to get as much money as they could from them while also learning if they could get, you know, more money with bigger adaptations of them. I think also the, the whole toy cartoon success thing was over. Yeah. I think they thought now, well, we can take another shot at it now and try Cause if you remember also all those things had toys, like huge toy lines as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard. Like every time, every once in a while, like I'll start watching stuff, and I'm like, "Is this just? Is it just a commercial? Is this like every movie that I like is just a commercial?" And they're just trying to get me to buy stuff. Like I just because I'm okay with it sometimes. Like I love the turtles. I always will. I know they're just trying to get me to sell toy to buy toys now, yeah. you know. But it's like you have to give me something. That's why. I, like 
And that's I do wonder about like the success of stuff like something like The Tick, where it's like it's so good, but is it because they weren't explicitly trying to sell the toys? It wasn't just like GI Joe or just Masters of the Universe, you know, like throwing those things at us. They were actually trying to be this funny parody, you know, like interesting thing. Um, and it wasn't simply a commercial. Is that what made it fascinating to me, but less successful generally? I don't know. You know, could be. Um, so on that note, we are going to watch the tick versus the idea, man. Is it the idea of men or the idea of man? <laughs> I thought it was men. Is it not? <laughs> I think you're right. I think I just wrote it down wrong. So okay. We're going to watch The Tick versus The Idea of Men, and we're going to talk about it. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Faster than a human bullet. More powerful than a big guy named Barry. Sorry about that, Barry. Able to leap tall buildings with only minor structural damage. Look, falling from the sky and getting smashed by a train. It's a fish! It's a plane! It's a satellite! It's the Tick! Villains, I say to you now, knock off all that evil! Fighting evil here at Comedy Central, Sunday nights at 7. Do you dig? Taco Bell presents Nacho and Dog. Hey, Dog, look, it's... Super Bean! He saves kids from Mondo Bath Time. Shorten's Mega Bedtime. And rescues us from cheek-pinching ants. <laughs> My hero! Now, when you purchase a Taco Bell kids meal, you can get the big, blue, keen superhero, the Tick, or another city dweller. You can collect all four at Taco Bell. I'd like to see the bean do this. Taco Bell! Fetch that food, Dong! There's no stopping the tick in his endless quest to search out and find evil doers. He will search high and low and lower still, along with his trusty sidekick Arthur. What's this? Three inch collectibles? Cool! Ever vigilant, the tick swings into action. Not to worry, the wall will stop him. Or maybe not. The tick's action figures from Bandai. Meanwhile, behind the facade of this innocent-looking podcast... And we are back, and we just watched The Tick versus The Idea Men. And uh, <laughs> I gotta say, uh, well, I'm not gonna get too much into spoilers yet, but uh, it was... Uh, the Tick dies at the end. You're all <laughs> welcome. I'm sorry. Roll the credits. Big Blue Destiny. I gotta say, now, it, the Turtles connection, like, it really did remind me a lot of the Turtles cartoon. Oh, yeah. Not in a bad way. No, no, I like I do think it was like a uh, a next step, like maturity wise and like cre- like creativity wise. And like, I, I feel like they took what the Turtles was doing in. the. I think it was closer to the Turtles comics than it was the Turtles cartoon in that they were pretty gr- like they were pretty mature with their parody, although they were absolutely ridiculous. So it was like a cool marriage, you know, the two things. Had you seen this recently or was this like a total nostalgia trip for you? Oh, man, total nostalgia trip. Like, I have not watched, like, I mean, it, it's been, like, five years, probably, since, like, I I've, I thought of watching the show. And, like, I, I watched a couple episodes, like, five years ago or so with, you know, my son. But 
No, it's awesome. I have not watched this episode in, and not like with this quality, actually. I didn't really like it's on Hulu now, <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah. When you said the tick is what you wanted to do, I was freaking out at first because I didn't think I'd be able to find it. And then it's on Hulu. And I was like so shocked it was on there. Yeah. I'll tell you, like last time I watched it, whenever that was, I had to get find it, like procure it by means that were not necessarily legal. <laughs> and <laughs> and when I did it, it wasn't the best copy. It was like, oh, is it, like I had that moment where I was like, is this just what it looked like? Is this just, you know, just like garbage? Yeah. You know? <laughs> There's nothing better feeling than when you rewatch something you used to love and it and it holds up. Oh, um, oh yeah. This is a little off subject, but I remember rewatching Halloween four and thinking and loving that movie when I was a teenager. Yeah. And I rewatched it and I was like, Jesus, this is not as good as I remember it. I have, I have so many of those because like I grew up loving horror movies and stuff. So like I, you know, I try to rewatch things every once in a while and it's just unbelievable what what gets made and it's it's incredible i love it i'm so excited like i watched i watched fright night uh last halloween and i was just like i love fright night it's one of my favorite movies ever you know i was like i love this movie and then watching like his friend is insane like evil lady <laughs> like there's like some of, some of the some of the performances in that movie are just just absolute trash and i'm just like how did you not do like a take three here like what is this but uh i still loved it honestly <laughs> I watched some stuff with my stepson. We watched the Justice League cartoon, and he really likes it. And we're, right now, we're watching Brave and the Bold, oh, and cool. he likes it. But uh, I've put on stuff with him that like he thinks is stupid and doesn't even want. I tried to watch Lord of the Rings with him, and he couldn't even get through the the first movie. He, he thought it was long and boring. And yeah, no, no one has sixteen hours. <laughs> Come on. So the the show opens with this really weird beginning where it's almost like. I don't know, it's like inside the actor's studio or something where <laughs> they're sitting in chairs and he's asking him, when did he become a superhero? And he says, oh, he's always been a superhero. Yeah. So, there, I mean, there were some things about like getting back into the show. I didn't remember that, like the talking head, like, you know, the, the interview aspect of it. I didn't remember seeing that at all. The other thing that struck me that's like right in the beginning of the show is the tick says they sent me to the city. He's like, they sent me to this city. And I was like, who? What do you mean? <laughs> I was like, who is they? Who is, is there like some like weird hero, like, you know, like organization that's like sending you, I want to know about this. I thought you, cause like in my mind, I was like, oh wait, didn't the tick escape from like a mental institution of some sort, like, a, you know, an insane asylum. I guess that's not the canon of the cartoon. And I totally forgot about that. No, yeah. They completely changed that for this. And I, Arthur's there as well. And, uh, <laughs> um, the tick gives like, Throughout the, I'm not, I can't, there was too much to, he just gives amazing speeches throughout the entire episode that are like, the fact that Tick is constantly narrating in real time out, like aloud in public is my favorite thing in the world. Like I just, I want to walk around at my job and just narrate however the injustice of the customers. Cause I, I work in retail, like my day job. So I was like, it was like my favorite thing to watch him on a bus, just narrating his, you know, his destiny to people. It was so cool. And it's like a weird mix of like great, like Captain America S lines with like yeah. random batshit crazy stuff that comes out of nowhere. Oh my God, man. Yeah. That was like, I, I was just like taken back by how much I like how clever it was. That's why I like, that's why when you said it was like, it is like the, the Ninja Turtles, like it has so much in common with it, but the writing is so smart too. Like I just like, I, I have nothing but respect for like something that can be that ridiculous and that smart at the same time. It's just insane. Like it's genius. And they asked Arthur what it's like uh, working with the tick and uh, 
He says he's hard to work with, but he's great at the same time. He tells them how they're going to take it all back where it all started back in uh, Reno at the National Superhero Institute. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, this was a pretty... (laughs) I love scenes like this where there's just a bunch of random stuff going on where they're like... (laughs) because <laughs> uh the first guy on stage is the blowfish avenger yeah <laughs> and uh he gets the uh, assigned a new rochelle i like how the judges one of them looks like ben Grimm if he had a human head basically oh yeah dude i, I love all that stuff so much it, it was like the 90s was just littered with that stuff though like the mystery men-esque you know like the flaming carrot type stuff where it's just <laughs> you know, all these like ridiculous like this array of nonsense characters that are clearly based on other things like i mean like i don't want to like not too many spoilers but like there's like the clark kent uh superman parody <laughs> running around this whole episode it's so funny yeah i'm glad you brought that up uh i just <laughs> there will be spoilers if you haven't seen this cartoon in the past so the tick shows up with this giant metal box with like spikes and all, all that oh yeah oh that was amazing <laughs> uh, he's gonna and it's the deadliest engine of destruction from 1974 <laughs> yeah, so i didn't remember any of this i was like i don't know like i know where he's going with this i don't know where it's how it's gonna end you know i was like this is this is gonna be good and he never, I kept expecting a big explanation of what this thing does but it's kind of the beauty he never tells you what it does it's just going to prove how mighty he is. Yeah, he's just basically, he's like, I can survive anything and I'm not going to pay attention to whether or not anyone else is affected by this because I'm the tick. He does uh, say to <laughs> shield yourself with your dessert menus because this might be dangerous. <laughs> I mean, he's essentially like the superhero, uh, what do you, like the Gallagher with a sledgehammer. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I might be a watermelon and I might explode on everyone. Shield yourselves if you're in the front row. There will be blood. When he opens it, it's like this giant electric chair type thing with drills and all that, which is cr- where he sits in it. And like, first it just hits him in the head like it doesn't do anything. Yeah. But then it explodes and, <laughs> and blows up the entire building. Yeah, the entire building. But I mean... He's like, this is to demonstrate how strong and nigh invulnerable I am. Yet there are no other casualties. Everyone <laughs> <No>. survives. <laughs> like, and then they go right into the credits, which, uh, oh, well, they say he's been assigned to the city. Yeah. N- not any city, the city. <laughs> the city. <laughs> and then they go credits. By the way, theme song, it's pretty awesome. Uh, I never heard it. It's so cool, dude. And like, yeah, I was, I, w- I read a little bit about that. And I guess the band who did, or like the people who created the theme song also did like a running uh, score for every episode, which is really cool. And then you get like a, like it's a montage of all the stuff that are going to happen later on the show. So when we go back that the tick is on a bus um, and <laughs> he's given another one of his, <laughs> amazing speeches mm-hmm. which uh my favorite i i wanted to write it all down but i'm like I'm, at this point I, it's too much but it's <laughs> you wrote a, don't get crackers in the bed of your future yeah. or, you, or you're going to get scratchy <laughs> <laughs> it's so ridiculous by the way the dick is huge he's like the size of the hulk like he's like taking up two seats and he's almost touching the roof what do they say? They say he's like nine feet tall or something. It's like, he's enormous. And uh, everyone, uh, they shush him. And then he says that, hey, I'm I'm narrating here. <laughs> <laughs> he does arrive at the city. 
<laughs> and probably one of my favorite scenes is we go to this accounting office and there's rows of desks. <laughs> and at the front, there, there's Arthur <laughs> in his super. <laughs> Just in his superhero costume, inexplicably. I, I love that, like, not only is he in his superhero costume, but he's not even in the complete superhero costume, so he can be mistaken for a bunny. <laughs> like, what? It was... <laughs> So absurd, but so like just genius at the same time. They tell him that, uh, well, they try and dance around it, but uh, they're gonna basically fire him. <laughs> Which he says, It's not your work, it's that stupid bunny. Costume. <laughs> <laughs> Which he explains is a flying moth costume, which uh, he keeps the wings in the briefcase. I really, it never gets answered why is he even wearing this to, <laughs> to work? He suggests that he found it, right? Like he yeah. says, like there's like a throwaway line where he's like, "Since I found this costume, blah blah blah." I'm like, okay, well, you just put on the suit; it happens to fit you oddly. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> I'm says not something. Say it's flattering, but you you're wearing it, you're doing it. Yeah, he says that he found it, and it brings him urges of adventure and excitement. Oh yeah, but it's like he's not a superhero. So <laughs> at this point, he's not a superhero. Why is he wearing this costume to his job? Yeah, he just he believes in himself. He believes in himself, Matt. But uh, he's. I love that he's never actually flown. <laughs> like he has the wings. He doesn't wear the wings. And he's like, I've never, ha- I've never used them. And in a great line, he says that you're just making the other accountants nervous with this rampant individuality. It's very distracting. <laughs> yes. And he says that he's not crazy, but there's more out there for him more than just doing taxes. I think he even says something about, accountant being a good fallback which is also strange because he he's not really pursuing the superhero thing so i don't know he's not doing anything to to be a superhero he doesn't consider like oh i can go into sidekicking he's not even like kicking that around he's just like i'm gonna wear this suit and believe that adventure is on its way which it was he ends up being right but he's like yeah he's like accounting is a good skill to fall back on like what do you fall back on you're doing nothing you've taken no steps toward you know heroism so the tick, uh, he goes to the, uh, which is essentially the Empire State Building. Yeah. Great shot of him in the elevator with everybody where, of course, he's like two feet tall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he does get to the top. He's uh, looking out the city. Arthur is uh, upset that he's uh, unemployed. The tick is doing all sorts of bouncing off roof rooftops and whatnot. I love how throughout the episode he's causing like destruction left and right. It doesn't even care. absolutely devastating that city. But it is yeah. Usually in like Marvel and DC, they get in a fight. You know, the battle causes destruction. Not this guy. He's just like landing on buildings. Just the travel alone is yeah. That's what you get. He's falling off the building. He says he's going to bounce off the flagpole and flip to safety. <laughs> I love his confidence and optimism. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to, fl- I will bounce off the flagpole. And he's like, what does he say? I'm going to bounce off that solid flat surface below or something. Yeah. yeah Cause that doesn't work. He's going to have the, the broad flat surface. He's going to bounce <laughs> off that. Right before that, Arthur is talking about the ways to save money. Like he's not going to eat out and he's going to reverse his underwear so he can get an extra day. Out. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> which i mean who among us have has not done that we all do that right that's the way we pinch pennies we reverse our underwear clearly you don't, you don't wash it <laughs> what a so the tick crashes like right th- into the ground in front of him and he does like arthur's outfit he does comment on that and it tells him to come with him an adventure will follow 
which is a great transition because then right from there, they're in a cafe just drinking coffee. Of course. I mean, okay, if a giant blue tick man falls in front of you and doesn't die, you're going to go with him, right? Like, there's no chance. I like, I, I would, you can't say no to that. That was a call to adventure. Like, and he's already wearing a bunny costume. I know it's a moth costume, but at this point, there are no wings, Arthur. Get with it. Read the I room. I like how random heroes and stuff just show up in the background and nobody even thinks twice about it. Yeah, I think the only thing I didn't like about that was because I love it. I love the world of the tick so much and how like commonplace it is for these ridiculous heroes to just be everywhere. But because of that, you'd think that like Arthur's job would be like, you say something about it. It'd be like, oh, if you're going to be one of those heroes, you have to do that. You know, like they yeah. act like it's this like crazy thing. But then the rest of the episode, we just see like, Random heroes in the world just living their dream. Yeah, happens all the time. Uh, Tick says that the city needs a real hero. And uh, he is the Tick. And then some guy starts questioning him, saying that he can't be the Tick because Ticks are arachnids and they have eight legs. (laughs) They also suck blood. Do you suck blood? He says that. I like how, okay, I like how Tick also postulates in that that sentence. He's like, "How do you know I don't have eight legs?" <laughs> and he does say, "I suck blood all the time." <laughs> I suck blood all the time. You want a demonstration? <laughs> yes. That was he's classic. Got a, he's got a straw. At this point, at first, I was a little baffled because there was this Clark Kent s type guy there who seemed annoyed by the Tick. And at first, I couldn't figure out why that was even in there and then <laughs> here it comes up because when the explosion happens this guy says uh he's got to change into his alter ego and he tries to go to the bathroom <laughs> he says this looks like a job for and then the door is locked and then <laughs> he looks at the camera and says occupy <laughs> <laughs> and i love how he's like so like 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 he meant to say occupied the whole time oh yeah no, I uh, that character was cracking me up. I I forgot, like I completely forgot about that guy. Like I like there's so much about the show that was just like watching it for the first time. It was so great. But like I, I don't know. I love what they did with that whole character and like the fact that he has this relationship with the tick and the tick is, the tick is insane. It's amazing <laughs> that this show existed at all. I can't believe it. And like I'm so glad. Like I watched this and I was like, I need to watch more of this again because I forgot how awesome this is. Also heading to the the scene of the crime was the caped chameleon, which I also love these random heroes that show up, have like one line and then sort of disappear. There's such throwaway jokes, but they're all perfect. Like the the caped chameleon lands and he's just like changing colors as he goes like, okay, I don't know how this guy's going to do anything or what's going to happen here. And eventually his comeuppance. (laughs) Arthur is, uh, he left his wings in the diner. But the tick says it's, they can't go back. It's too late, which they smash through. And there's the idea, men, who are a bunch of guys in suits with these big metal masks and guns. And they crash and they all point the guns. Then we get our first uh, commercial break. <laughs> now, when we come back, the tick introduces himself. And they all start talking and, and mumbling. And he even says, I can't hear you through those stupid masks. <laughs> <laughs> Which that's a it's a common I think we mentioned this earlier yeah it's the running gag of they just can't talk they just mumble and nobody can understand what they say. It's so good that they're the idea man and no one can understand anything they say. Cape Chameleon looks like he's gonna get in, into the fray, but he can't do plaid and he gets in front of yeah the Cape Chameleon lands on a plaid. <laughs> what was it like a curtain? He's just yeah, I can't a, do plaid. 
And he just, I love that. I mean, look, to to their credit, uh, the Green Lantern can't do yellow. All right. So, like, he's, he's got one up on the Green Lantern, at least. Take that, DC. The tick th- throws a flaming desk at the idea. <laughs> I love that. Uh, it's like, it's not, he's, if you look at it from a certain point of view, he's like psychotic and has no regard for property or people, but it never comes across like that at all on the cartoon itself. Yeah, it's I, it is amazing. Like if it, so many things are like that though, but like yeah, if you imagine the tick in real life, he is just the worst thing in the city. He's destroying <laughs> the buildings, he's terrifying the people, he's obnoxious as hell, but he's well intended and he's actually doing a pretty good job most of the time. But I think it's partially because they're also surrounding him with, like, these more ridiculous characters somehow. <laughs> they're like, well, at least he's not this guy who can't do plaid, you know? So uh, They escape to their blimp, which even the tick remarks, cool, they have a blimp. <laughs> There's a news report that we get about the idea men where uh, how uh, this unknown hero thwarted them. And then they say how Mayor Blank says this is just the beginning. We're going to see more from these guys. And then in the most, well, I don't know about the most random, but one of many random things they say, all right, now lighter news, clowns and just (laughs) clowns show up on, (laughs) on the news. Oh man. Just the absurdity of this show is, and like the fact that it went for three seasons is incredible. I can't, I just can't believe it exists. Uh, they go to Arthur's apartment, which the tick is convinced is a secret. Yeah. Oh, that, that part was freaking cracking me up. So he thinks like, oh, what it, we're the secret lovers, chum. And he's like, like nothing. There's nothing. It's just, what does this couch or what does this couch turn into? It turns into a bed. <laughs> he rips like a the coat hanger off the wall thinking it's gonna... <laughs> Arthur's not really sure that uh, this is for him. Uh, he's going to sleep on it. Cause he's not sure that he wants to be a superhero, mm-hmm. but, uh, the tick did tell him he has to hug his destiny. Oh yeah. And even that tells him he'll sleep on it. And then, I mean, no, go ahead. I would say it's true. We do have, we have to hug our destiny. <laughs> I don't know what Arthur is like, what's he doing? He's waffling. He was, he was wearing a moth suit to his accounting job. Just accept the call to adventure already. Arthur, what is this? You met the big blue destiny. You, you heed its call. And then, again, maybe even more random, the tick starts watching television and there's a commercial for a breakfast cereal called Drama Flakes, <laughs> which I love the line, attractive, successful people love drama flakes. <laughs> it's so de- that, like It's so good. I feel like it was the whole script is just written around like these little gags and they're just like every excuse to throw in like a silly joke or whatever it is. They're like, Oh, we need it. We need a joke every two minutes. And it's just something like that. And it's just like, instead of trying to sell toys, they're like, let's just keep being silly and funny. And it just, it got me so good. <laughs> Maybe they were trying to get away with the convenient, the, the trope in movies and TV, how, Television is only turned on to give the main character a piece of information. So yeah. Maybe to, to get away from that, they wanted to have a random commercial. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, you find out that the, the idea men are holding the city hostage because they've got the dam. They hold up a sign that says, give us money or we're going to flood the city. So on the way, <laughs> we get a bunch of random <laughs> heroes that are also going to do something like bipolar bear. Oh my God. <laughs> um, 
I love the the human bullet who just gets in a giant cannon. Giant cannon just and gets shot, I you assume, in the general direction. <laughs> do they I don't remember if they show where he lands. Do they show like I don't remember the end of that. I just remember him getting shot. Yes, which is brilliant because they go so long to the point where you've completely forgotten it ever happened yeah. and then it comes <laughs> up again. Okay, okay. <laughs> they, uh, they're running on rooftops to get there, which they're destroying, of course. And they get to a part where the freeway is and <laughs> Tick says, huh, ran out of roofs. <laughs> which you do have to wonder, there's always these chase scenes and superheroes and Spider-Man's always going from roof to rooftop. They never run out of roofs. <laughs> At some point, yeah. Especially Spider-Man. I mean, he's pretty much doomed if he ever has to go in the desert, right? Like anywhere that's not giant skyscrapers. Like if I had Spider-Man powers where I live in Florida, I would be doomed. I'd be like, what do I have? Some palm trees I can swing around? Then they encountered Deflator Mouse, who, (laughs) if you didn't actually watch it, he's pretty obviously a Batman (laughs) parody. Yeah, and he, he comments about how they must have ran out of out of roofs as well. <laughs> American maid shows up, which uh, <laughs> Deflator Mouse describes as uh, the patriotic domestic. <laughs> Never get an explanation for powers. I'm assuming that's going to come <laughs> down the road at some point. Yeah, it's just like the Batman, the Wonder Woman slash Captain America situation going on. But yeah, you don't get much. They get into an argument with some great singers like, <laughs> don't you have a, a, a mop to squeeze or a toilet to clean? <laughs> Not even sure you could get away with those jokes now, but. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it, it, I think it worked because she's a maid and she yeah. wasn't, you know, like I, I think if otherwise it's just pure sexism. Not okay. <laughs> you know. She tells him to go smell up a cave somewhere. Yeah. Tick suggests they team up, but they want nothing to do with it. They're still fighting, and Tick and Arthur just leave them to fight. Yeah. <laughs> then out of nowhere becomes Big Shot. Oh, my gosh. The Punisher parody is so good. It's just If you didn't see it, he basically is Frank Castle with this giant backpack who just, all he seems to accomplish is he shoots everything into the skull in insignia. It's he shoots the brick wall right into the skull. Yeah, he turns the wall into a skull. That was another character I completely forgot about. But like, I love it. I love like the quick, ridiculous joke and like jab at the Punisher and just like running out of bullets. Like, what do you? Where's your power now? What do you do? It's so good. The mayor. Uh, they ask him if he brought the money. First, he makes a joke about how everybody better learn how to swim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, can you imagine like a bomb and like you know like Disney World or. Oh my god! Ta- or town square and the mayor <laughs> making a joke of <laughs> no oh my gosh yeah in florida they're basically like every time there's a hurricane whoever is in charge at the time the governor is just like if you don't leave you die that's what they do now. <laughs> it's crazy this is a cartoon we can't do this anymore but <laughs> and uh but no he says he's gonna give them the money or they're gonna blow up the dam just then arthur and the tick arrive in a taxi which, by the way, uh, the tick can barely fit in the damn thing. <laughs> and at the same time, Big Shot, he comes by the sign that says, you know, that no trespass in the dam, which he then proceeds to shoot the dam <laughs> into a giant skull. <laughs> <laughs> so, so ridiculous. 
the idea men are all celebrating because uh, they're going to get the money, which they set the timer off anyway, which the tick says is, is no fair. No fair. Yeah. <laughs> tick uh, beats them all up and he finally rips one of their masks out to find out what's behind all this. And, <laughs> and a great line where he's the guy, the idea man says, well, our plan was to uh, steal a lot of money so we won't have to work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Standard. Makes sense. Uh, it's not a bad idea. I get it. <laughs> well, because if you go back all the time, you these superheroes or villains are robbing banks, and it's always to finance some yeah. death ray or some world domination. <laughs> like, these guys just, they just don't have a job. <laughs> Which the text says, uh, you cads. <laughs> <laughs> they can't turn the bomb off. The tick like rips right into it to try and he punches a hole into it to try and defuse it not sure that's going to really work but i guess you can't fault the guy for, for trying that was amazing like, when i watched that i was like his whole forearm is in it and he's just like what are you doing i'm defusing the bomb like what what are you this is this is nuts and big shot are... steady hand or the the mind to do that so i wonder if defusing a bomb is is uh it's always very complicated i wonder if if you really have to cut a certain wire or if you could just right? tear the, the crap out of it and it would I feel like like post nineties, it can't be like the green or blue wire anymore. Like you know, it's definitely not the red wire, or maybe it is now. You know, like they try to confuse us, but I couldn't believe. Like I was like, what does he? What does he think he's doing? Like that's I was like, yeah, I know he thinks he's diffusing it, but how? He's like mixing it around. He's making a milkshake out of these bomb parts, and like it's just gonna work out for him somehow. I love it. Uh, Big shot shows up again, shooting up the place, where <laughs> he bursts into tears and asks why his mom doesn't love him. <laughs> You know, standard Punisher situation. That's if you've never read the Punisher, that's what Frank Castle does at the end of every issue. He's like, "Why didn't my mother love me?" (laughs) And uh, him and Arthur they they share a hug. Uh, Meanwhile, the Tick is pursuing the idea, man, and he literally the bomb like blows up in his hands, (laughs) blows up the blip and everything. (laughs) Which, of course, the Tick is completely unfazed. Oh yeah, nigh invulnerable. And uh, they did save the city, and this gets yet another one of the Tick's amazing speeches, <laughs> where he says the line about the, uh, he's going to be anywhere where evil puts its foul-smelling foot. <laughs> oh, man. And then uh, him and Arthur do decide that Arthur is going to be his sidekick. Arthur has embraced it at this point. Oh, you know, I think I forgot to mention, there was a scene earlier where Arthur finally tried out the wings. The wings. Yeah, yeah and, and they actually work. He actually can fly. Yeah. Which makes me wonder how long he's been holding on to those wings and I, and not actually carries them around. <laughs> I I when when they first said that he left them at the diner, I was like, how do you just leave these wings behind, Arthur? Like I, this is insane, Arthur. Like I like they should be a backpack. It should be built on. What are you doing? Why would you you know? But it would actually be kind of funnier if they didn't work. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> obviously it makes sense. He has to be able to fly. He, he, you know, he learns this. It's part of his journey of becoming a sidekick and a hero eventually. But like, come on, it would be so funny if it didn't, if he couldn't fly and he just carried those wings around anyway. Um, the only problem with that, I would think they'd have to do a payoff at some point where he jumps off a building and, oh. and, <laughs> and breaks a leg. <laughs> Absolutely. But Arthur embraces the sidekick. He's actually pretty happy about it. And this is great. Like they uh, they pan out for a great wide shot of the of the dam with the tick giving his speech, and he says, "How uh, let evil beware, and let good 
dress in warm clothes and eat plenty of fresh vegetables. <laughs> and just before they go to black, uh-huh. the human bullet hits the side, <laughs> hits the side of the day. <laughs> That's freaking awesome. I, Oh man, I gotta, I have to rewatch it now or at least that part. Cause, um, yeah, I mean, so when, when I watch it, like, I don't have much like free time these days, you know, like I'm trying to, we're trying to work on our comic book and stuff. Yeah. So, like I'm coloring. So I'm just like, I was coloring the whole time watching it and coloring. Like <laughs> dude, it's so funny that was cracking me up. Um, which <laughs> to me is brilliant because they could have just had the bullet hit yeah. something like right off the bat, but they, the genius in it is they literally waited for you to completely forget that even <laughs> happened. And then he came out of nowhere. Oh my God. I've always thought characters like that were ridiculous. Like the guy from the circus of crime, like who mm-hmm. his whole shtick was, you put him in a cannon and shot him. And does that mean they carry the cannon with them everywhere? <laughs> oh my God. I mean, DC <laughs> is just littered with those characters though. Like it's, it's crazy. Like, I mean, most of the, the tick characters could l- just come out of like the DC comics encyclopedia. It's, it's cra- like, have you ever heard of like brother power, the geek? Yeah, he was from the 70s. Yeah, like, man, there's so (laughs) many weird ones. I actually, like, I started doing a podcast years ago um, about that where, like, I went through and I would just kind of, like, I went through the glossary and I would pick up names I'd never heard of and try to guess who they are and what they do. (laughs) You know, so it's like one of them, one of them was Brother Power the Geek and, like, there were so many, but they're nuts. And, like, you'd think that, like, oh, that's that's probably just a throwaway character. No, a lot of these people, like, these characters (laughs) had full runs of things. Like, whereas the tick just throws these uh, at the wall and, like, for fun, like, silly jokes. You know, DC is like, no, we're going to make franchises out of this. I mean, my stepson is obsessed with. Kite Man, Polka Dot Man, and and Calendar Man. Oh yeah, of course. You know, and I mean, now they're having the, their whole renaissance again. You know, the like James Gunn's helping bring them back. You know, so it's it's cool. I love what they're doing with it. I, I love uh, a goofy character, but sometimes. <laughs> but there you have it. The Tick meets the Idea Man, and I gotta say, uh, first thing before we get in the actual ranking, like this is like the way to do a superhero parody. Like, Oh yeah. It never felt mean spirited. Never looked, no. looking down on the, on the genre. Yeah. I think that's why it works. Cause like, it, like the tick himself is always so optimistic and like well-intended. And I feel like the whole show comes across that way. Like even when they're poking fun at like Frank Castle and like Punisher, I never feel like they're insulting it really. I feel like it's just like all in good fun and everyone's on board with it. You know, like I, I feel like they're clearly fans of the stuff that they're making fun of. It's like the old, uh, you know, when those questions come in your back of their mind, like, you know, how does Batman do this? And all, and then they kind of show you and then you're like, oh yeah, it's kind of dumb. I even concerned myself with that in the first place. Like two heroes are swinging on ropes and they like bump into each other. It's just like so ridiculous. Yeah, they do a really, like this show just does such a great job with like bringing the absurdity of superheroes into the real world and just seeing how ridiculous that could be. You know, I mean, we. I think it's also, it came out in the time... Like we, you previously mentioned, like the Batman movie, like you know, kind of like sparking like this love of all these these characters, and you know, um, but I feel like we started getting all this really gritty stuff and like realistic things, and we were trying to bring things into the real world, and then kind of taking that and putting it on its ear and showing it, you know, what it might look like if it was this silly, you know, if you, yeah. you take the extreme version of them and put, you know, that's 
and the tick gave it to us in like the best way possible. I think it was, you know, really, really positive and like silly and fun and never really like, I don't know, not it, there was no hate involved in it. So it was, it was good. I, I agree with you. I think it was the right way to do a parody for comic books for sure. Yeah. It's a good mix of, we're going to get into it a little more, but it was a good mix of uh, stuff. Kids are going to laugh and enjoy, but an older crowd's not going to necessarily, it's going to like it as well. Like, yeah, I, I think there's like there's a genius to writing that kind of stuff that I think you know people kind of you know like don't appreciate as much as they necessarily should. You know, it's 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 not the easiest thing in the world to write something. I mean, and a lot of people like you do a whole show based on animated series, um, animated shows and movies. There's still in 2022 there are still people who are like cartoons are for kids, and like that's just simply false you know like that's like patently provably demonstrably false you know like they're they're animation i mean anyone who who is interested in like animated comics especially you see what like the type of movies that they've been making like you know the justice league dark and like you know the constantine like all these things but yeah stuff like the tick it hits both yeah it hits like a wide audience in such a perfect way and like balancing the the maturity with like the ridiculous absurdity and like making that smart and um and silly at the same time it's genius and that takes a lot of work and it's it's kind of hidden in the absurdity of it all and i i love the hell out of it and on that note we're going to go over to our spectrometer anyone new to the show we rank what we saw every week zero spectros being absolute garbage four spectros being perfection anthony how are you going to rank the tick meets the idea man um, I'm going to rank it and um, I'm just going to, I'm going to give, I'll give it a solid four because I think it was, I think it met the mark of exactly what it wanted to be. And I think it did it to perfection as far as like what it actually intended to do. Like, I think it, it set up all the characters. It created this great world. Um, it was like the animation was fantastic. The writing was really funny, clever, and it, you know, it all got wrapped up in a fun way that made me want to see more of the world. I think it was a good pilot, so I'll, I'll give it four. I think it was great. I think I'm going to go uh, four as well. Like, uh, like everything you said, the animation's solid. It's very cleverly well written. It's entertaining. It genuinely made me laugh. It's having fun with the superhero genre, which I've loved my whole life, but not looking down upon it, which really. <laughs> irks me when especially people in comics look down on the superhero genre oh yeah yeah i mean like i mean you you know we see it from all sides you know like people people who are fans love to hate some version of it i mean it's like the classic star wars versus star trek there's always some stupid like polarization thing that happens with people and it happens with you know with all sorts of comics um like like people hating on robin and not wanting to see you know or just like (laughs) It's like, come on, man. Like, what are we doing? Can we just like let people have this stuff, enjoy things? Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think this was a really, really well intended and really well crafted and um, show. And it just it delivered on what it wanted to deliver. And I think I I mean, I've obviously been a fan forever. That's why I wanted to say it. But like rewatching it now, I'm like even I, I'm even more confident in my fandom and like appreciating it. I it made me want to go back and reread the tick because I was like, this is so much smarter and like funnier than I expected. Like I remembered it being silly and like goofy and stuff, but I didn't remember like how how much fun his narration was and like how much fun like the character was and like with Arthur, like the relationships, everything is really good in it. So I'm I'm probably gonna go through and just watch the whole series now because because, you know, why not? It's so great. I also, 
I could, I respect when something is so funny where it doesn't resort to like lowbrow toilet humor. Like I don't mind like South Park and Rick and Morty, but sometimes I feel the writing can really go to the lowest common denominator. Yeah. I think like this is pretty smart because a lot of the jokes, they don't necessarily rely on a knowledge of the thing that they're parodying. But if you have it, it does. If you, you know, if you know about the Punisher, it obviously elevates that character and makes him more fun, you know, but like, it's great that they're able to kind of like find that balance between like smart, you know, like uh, pop culture based referencing and just like well-written, well-crafted character jokes, you know, rather than, you know, like you said, relying on anything, you know, base, like too crass. What did you think out there? Did you like it as much as me and Anthony? Uh, You couldn't have liked it. Well, you couldn't like it any better than we did, but uh, you definitely could have liked it less if you did. That's okay. Uh, no judgment here. Uh, it's, a, it's a safe space here. But if you did like it less, go to either his uh, social media or mine and tell us what you didn't like about it because I think it should have gone – well, Grant, I haven't watched the whole show, but I, I think it should have gone longer than three seasons. Like, uh, I think it's really good. It's crazy to see like how many tick books there are you know, out there now, like the – they did like the karma tornado big blue destiny like all these different books like the ticks back and like you know they just kept bringing it back and i was like they could have expanded the animation like or the animated universe of the tick and just kept it going it i'm surprised they didn't do a thing with the tick where it became sort of like the extension of the city where you see more of the other characters and like there are a lot of tick books that do that where you see more of like paul the samurai and you see all of like the side characters like paul Paul the samurai could have his own you know like animated series it's such a funny character and so ridiculous um but i'm surprised like i just i would have loved to see more of it i would have loved to see more of the show i'm glad that they did the live action show you know like i think that like the patrick warburton one was fun and i think the newer one on amazon was really well written like very like totally took me by surprise how smart that show was but um i would have loved to see more animation i think it's like it's perfect like this whole series or the whole concept is perfect for an animated series and i think they delivered really well with what they had and i wish it would have expanded like you know so uh, we always ask the question uh in 2022 a child comes across the tick are they going to enjoy it my son thinks it's hilarious he's seven um I don't know. I don't like most kids, though. I mean, my, my son's a big old weirdo. I mean, like he has to deal with me all the time. So I'm like, you know, no, I, he's the best. But I don't know. Um, I think like anything else, it's going to depend on the kid. You know, like I, I I don't think any of my friends growing up watched The Tick. You know, like they yeah. all, we all bonded over like X-Men, the animated series and stuff, you know, like and like gargoyles and stuff like that. But like the, I, I feel like The Tick might be just one of those things that's it's it's a thing that happens to be reserved for certain. It's a little more obscure, and you just kind of bond with your people, and you find a little tribe over you know around that. There will always be an audience for it, so I think there is an audience in 2022. You know, in the children of 2022, it's just that finding them might be you know less frequent than you know like X Men or something like that. That's especially with the MCU out. I think you might have to find the right like. A, I think it's like not too young, but kids that are that are not too old where they're starting to get cynical. I think that area, I think they would probably enjoy the tick in 2022. Yeah. It is an interesting question though, because like a lot of the, the parody stuff, I'm not sure that they would really appreciate it. Like do kids in 2022 want to watch the flitter mouse and you know, um, American made. (laughs) Yeah. American made like, you know, argue on the roof. Like, no, probably not, you know, but like (laughs) a lot of it is fun. Like I, 
Like I can, you know, I watch just like anyone. Like I watch my son when when we put when I put things on for him. I'm like, you know, what's what's he interested in? What's keeping his attention? And like anytime the ticks on the screen doing anything, like my son was like into it. You know, it's like <laughs> he loves the song, he loves the intro, and he loves the tick. And like you know, all this action stuff is fun. Everything the tick says is really funny to my son. But the some of the other stuff that's like you know the peripheral jokes and stuff, it just he just doesn't care. You know, so I, I and I get that he might be a little too young for it. So I think with our superhero obsessed culture we're in now, I would think the tick would be able to easily find. That's a, true. An I, you know, like I, I wonder what sort of things they would sort of lampoon or parody and like, you know, would we get like more of an Avengers, you know, or like more of like the MCU like jokes in there, you know, because I, you know, we don't really see a lot of successful superheroes in the tick. You know, like we don't see like, you know, like, <laughs> I know. You know, which is it's interesting because like even like the Superman parody, you know, it's like constantly being thwarted by these little stupid things and like his cape is hanging out of his pants. And, like, you know, that that's interesting. I wonder, like, I, I love that it doesn't take itself seriously, but it's, you know, having fun and there are the same heroic stories in there at the same time. So I don't know. I, I love it. I, I'm that's a really good question. though. I haven't thought of that. Well, I want to hear from you if you go to my uh Twitter at Matt Spectro and uh, tell me what you think. You can follow me while you're there. You can find my Facebook, Matt Spectro through the multiverse and give me your opinion there as well. Follow me while you're there as well. All right, Anthony, I want to thank you for joining me today. It's been a, a hoot. I hope you'll come back and do another episode. Dude, it was great talking to you. I, I really love watching the show again. I Yeah, definitely do another episode. Um, I'd love to come on. I, I know you had two people on. I didn't know if it was a possibility, but if you ever wanted, my friend Steven would love to join us as well. So... I have no. I would love to do both of you guys on. We'll we'll do another episode. Definitely would be a hoot. Yeah, that'll be awesome, man. We'll definitely talk about that. Um, but I love doing this. I love watching the Tick. Um, I love any excuse to watch the Tick. So I really appreciate the opportunity to be on the show. Um, we can do another episode, or we can do something completely different. And I usually, most circumstances, leave it up to my guests, unless it's a special episode. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah, I'll definitely think about it. I mean, there's so many things I like. I just grew up loving animation. That's why, like, when I found out, like, you know, what your show is about, I was pretty excited to like go through and see like what shows and, you know, stuff you have actually, you know, talked about. Um, Because, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I grew up like I used to sneak out into my living room and I would watch that whole animation block of like Duckman, the critic. Uh, the tick, you know, like uh, uh, Dr. Katz. And I was like a little bit too young for all of it, but I was like, that's what made it exciting. You know, it's just like, I would watch, uh, you ever see tell, I mean, you probably remember tales from the crypt. Yeah. I love that show. Like, yeah. So like I grew up, like I would sneak out. I was not supposed to be watching tales from the crypt. I would sneak out in the middle of the night in the living room. It's the only TV in the house. And I'd put it on as quiet as possible. I'd watch tales from the crypt. I'd be scared as hell as a kid. And I'd turn <laughs> it on comedy central and I'd watch the tick. That's what would happen. Like, I'd be like, I like, it was my refresher. My palate cleanser was stuff like the tick and like the critic. So I just, yeah, I, I, I grew up like loving animated shows. So. I'm all about that. Well, whenever I have a guest on, uh, we have what I call free plug time. So the floor is yours. Plug anything and everything you'd like to plug. Oh, heck yeah. Well, first, thank you for having me on. Um, I'm, I'm Anthony from the We Have Issues podcast. We're a weekly podcast in which two grown adults with children and good jobs and lives do their best to navigate the weird random issues of adulthood and get something creative done. Um, we mostly make comic books, novels, and uh, soon we're going to be making a movie. I'm going to make a movie. It's going to be interesting. Um, 
yeah, so far we published uh, two. Well, we published one book and we um, successfully, thankfully, kickstarted a second book, Deathless, that should be out in the next few months. Uh, but our first book is called Play It Again. It's available on Amazon. You can also reach me at uh, on Twitter at twitter.com slash Anthony Lafusi. And I will, you know, I'll talk to you about getting a physical copy of that as well as a physical copy of Deathless when that comes out. Um, but yeah, that's. That's pretty much all. You can find our podcast at youtube.com slash wehaveissuespodcast. We're also on Spotify and everywhere podcasts are available. Uh, it comes out every Wednesday, so be on the lookout for that. And that's it. Thank you so much. I, I really can't thank you enough for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. And uh, I want to thank you introducing the tech. This uh, got one of the highest rankings of any of the shows uh, I've reviewed so far. I uh, really, really enjoyed it. Awesome. Yeah, man. I I love it. Like I said, I love the excuse to watch it again. I can't believe it only got three seasons. Like, you know, the fact that you know, people seem to like the show. I th- I feel like in, I don't know, in like recent years, like, like obviously the tick is like, it has staying power. It, you know, it keeps being adapted in various forms. Yeah. I don't see why it only got three. Seasons. It's so crazy to me. I know animation's expensive, but like, is it really more expensive than these live action shows that they're throwing at us now? Uh, and you think with the str- all the streaming, it would be even now more than ever. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and like, and now with like the different ways you can animate things and like computer graphics and everything and how much we've evolved, you know, just to be able to animate, like, why is, why are there not more options for the tick? It's crazy to me. I, I think it's kind of like a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy situation for me where like, I happen to just love every iteration of the tick as it appears. And I'm just like, I'm just happy that there's more of it. You know, it sucks. I guess it was canceled at Amazon now, you know, but, um, it's great. I'm sure I'm sure it will continue in various ways and like, you know, comics will come and go and it'll happen, you know, but yeah, it's it's crazy. I'm I'm just I'm glad that anyone's listening to this and, you know, enjoys things like the tick. You know, it's like like I said, like it's nice to find something like this that's a little more obscure that like other people can kind of bond over because it's just something that I grew up with and just like loved the heck out of. So, yeah, I love the chance to talk about it. Well, thank you again for uh, joining us. I hope you'll come back and I want to thank everyone out there who listens to my show. And if you could subscribe to the podcast, I'd love it as well. We'll see you again next week on another episode of Matt Spectro through the multiverse.